Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Tony Katz. It's Kendall and Casey. The Amber and Nigel Show. All right, uh, when does your show start? Do we know? I feel like I've been promoting this for nine years now. This is the Tony Kinnett Cast on 93 WIPC. Good evening and welcome to the Tony Kinnacast here on 93 WIBC, 93.1 FM out of Indianapolis. The live streams on YouTube.com slash WIBC, as well as on Twitter X. And you can always find the podcast, you know, wherever it is that you guys find podcasts. Uh, I received an interesting question this morning and they said, uh, hey, have you ever listened to that one spot in your podcast? The, The answer is no. Uh, I'm one of those people that absolutely cannot stand listening to myself, which is crazy because you would think with how much I talk that I must really enjoy the sound of it. Uh, So if you enjoy the podcast, you can, of course, go listen and uh, give it a five star review on Apple. If you hate the podcast, stay away from the reviews. We we don't want your reviews. And speaking of things that you don't want, because uh, let me tell you, folks, it's a great evening for segues. Fannie Willis. The district attorney of Fulton County in Georgia, Atlanta, her goose is cooked, man. That is a wild, wild situation. For those of you that have been under a rock this week, uh, the lady who has uh, kind of levied the enormity of the charges on election fraud against former President Donald Trump uh, via a man that she dated and slept with who had never been a prosecutor in a RICO case before, which is the federal racketeering lawsuit situation that Trump's being brought up on. Uh, They went on cruises together. They vacationed in Belize. Uh, Don't ask um, Fannie Willis where, uh, um, don't ask her where Belize is. She doesn't actually know, as, as we found out in court. And she lost her mind, screaming at the lawyer in the case. Again, just checking, hey, did you uh, commit election fraud and also commit several other felonies relating to taking um, funds and personal favors in order to politically prosecute someone. And Fannie Willis responded, I'm not going to emasculate a black man, end quote, and then also said that the lawyer was racist. And if you need a little more video evidence at what could be one of the most beautiful moments in recent courtroom history, here is Fannie Willis showing you how cool, calm and collected she is in one of the best lawsuits in history. Mr. Sena, thank you. We're going to take five minutes. Be back in five. The camera zooms out like it's an episode of The Office. <laughs> then you can see the judge just walked out. <laughs> so, um, if anyone, if anyone else is being a hostile witness, she won't answer questions uh, by the prosecution. She won't answer questions from the judge. Um, the prosecutor, uh, man whore that she dated, um, wouldn't even tell the prosecutor that his name was indeed his name. This is amazing. She's like waving documents around. I, I got to tell you, a lot of people are really depressed that 2016 never ended. We're in our ninth or 10th year of it now. I am not one of those people. If we're going to have a circus, I want it to be a Barnum Bailey's like three ring majestic spectacle. So really, again, the moral of this entire situation is that when you're told a person appointed or elected to a position like a president of Harvard University, a secretary of transportation, a White House press secretary or the district attorney of Fulton County in Atlanta is historic, brave and wonderful because of their color, 
their gender or their sex life uh you are being lied to there's there's nothing historic and wonderful about that however you are told that you're a really big bad guy a really mean ist and phobe if you question if an individual is qualified because they were clearly hired and celebrated in the case because of their color their gender and who they're sleeping with now of course, I'm talking about Claudine Gay, Pete Buttigieg, Karine Jean-Pierre, and Fannie Willis, who have all been in the news in the last couple of months because they have been supreme failures at their jobs, of which they were appointed to, not because of merits, not because of experience. Uh, ask anyone in South Bend. They'll tell you that Pete was never a king at fixing potholes. No, no reason he should have been the Secretary of Transportation. Claudine Gay never should have been the president of Harvard. Like very few, if any, academic papers that actually promote any decency in education. As a guy who did spend time writing papers in academia, not to mention, you know, the, uh, the plagiarism. Karine Jean-Pierre never answers questions directly from the press and has been seen sprinting away from the podium more times this month than closing a press conference like a grown adult. And now Fannie Willis. These are equity hires, ladies and gentlemen. And allow me to push back against those who say that saying someone is an equity hire is racist. An equity hire is not Thomas Sowell, Clarence Thomas, Condoleezza Rice, Richard Grenell, and on and on. The individuals that I just listed Thomas Sowell, Clarence Thomas, Condoleezza Rice, and Richard Grenell are all individuals that would be intersectionally oppressed, yet they were hired because of their merits they bring to the position. And I remember when Condi Rice was called horrible, terrible things from the, from the left, not to mention all of those individuals who I listed that were black have been called Uncle Toms and far more racist terms and vulgar terms because they were black individuals that happened to lean conservatively. And I'm just going to point out that I would rather have an individual, whether they're black, white, brown, purple, or green, I don't care what's in their pants, as long as they are competent in policy and they do an effective job at governing. The, the Speaker of the Indiana House, Todd Houston, I don't care what color he is. I don't care how old he is. I don't care if he has pimples on his left side of his face or not. I don't know if he has that. I don't care. Does he govern well? That's what matters to me. And it, I really feel as though we've reached a point where what should have been a serious conversation we all kind of sat down and had during the second Obama administration became a joke that is just now the laughing stock of the world's system. Well, speaking of laughing stocks, um, President Biden is falling apart in a number of ways today. So very serious moment in the world. Uh, the dictator of Russia, Vladimir Putin, had his political opponent killed, uh, that being Alexei uh, Navalny. And uh, very, very gross yet expected political execution. A lot of us were kind of waiting, um, not on our toes, not something that people wanted to see, but expected because in Russia, that's how political opposites have been dealt with for time in memoriam. It's also important that we address a few critical things because uh, a lot of people seem to think that if you criticize anything about Russia, then that means that you really love Ukraine. And if you criticize Ukraine, that means you really love Russia or that you're America first or that you're America last or that you're a neoconservative or a warmonger. So let's let's break a few things down here objectively. Vladimir Putin is an imperialist. He is a ruthless, ruthless dictator who has his political opponents killed. Cops are currently beating any protests at all on the streets of Moscow. Zelensky of Ukraine is also super corrupt. 
has banned opposition parties, and not to mention a wing of the Orthodox Church. Ukraine is incredibly corrupt. It is in the political interest of the United States that Russia doesn't take Kyiv. However, no one in Congress, I have yet to hear one senator from the left or the right, one congressman, one representative, one senator's aide, anyone from the White House, point out what Russia not taking Kyiv looks like as an exit ramp strategy. What does it look like? Where is the money going? What's the end goal? Are we saying we're giving Ukraine this money so that we can make sure Russia doesn't take Kyiv? If so, for how long? What are the details? The reason people do not like massive foreign spending is because you and I both know that in three and a half months, there will be another big, huge foreign bill on the table that will be more American dollars going to foreign conflicts. We didn't even hear how the first couple of dollars were spent. Have you ever had a letter from a college that you went to or an organization that you've been a part of ask you for money that you just gave tons of money to? You haven't even shown me how you spent the last couple of bucks. How am I supposed to trust you with additional dollars? And that really brings us to the president of the United States, who is having, quite honestly, just one of the worst election years of any president, probably since Richard Nixon, maybe? Stay around. You are listening to the Tony Kinnacast here on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to the Tony Kennett Cast on 93 WIPC. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Tony Kennett Cast here on 93 WIBC. I want to take two steps back and talk a little bit about what the president of the United States has decided unilaterally is his path to victory. Because I've heard a lot of different theories at this point. It's just all of the th- every theory, every hot take, every backroom, locker room conversation on who you actually think is running the government. And here is the hottest take that I have. I believe, based on all of the evidence that is available, that the cabinet secretaries and officials of the United States are running their own shops and are just doing whatever they want. There's no communication coming from the president's office. And by the way, my 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 evidence for this is is referencing when when Lloyd Austin went away for surgery and nobody knew about it or when Pete Buttigieg goes on a magical trip and and people don't hear about it for hours or even days in the White House. The, The cabinet secretaries are just doing their own thing. So when you're asking who's running the border, it's Alejandro Mayorkas openly because what he says in Congress is his policies that not even not even coming out of the White House, his own policies. That's what's being enacted. When you look at the Department of Education and Miguel Cardona has crazy weirdo nonsense ideas, it's not White House policy that gets put forward. It's his own. It is an oligarchical free for all in the United States White House right now. And you're saying, well, who's controlling the president? There is a dementia ridden, very, very stubborn old man. If you have ever been around an old man with dementia, I spent a lot of my years in high school with my grandfather, who was a very stubborn old man with dementia. And the more dementia ridden he became, the more stubborn he became. Now, as his family member, it broke my heart, and I would never want to have put him in front of people to make a fool out of himself because I loved him and I wanted him to retain as much dignity as possible. I sure wish Joe Biden had that instead of getting up in front of the country and saying, actually, he's fine. 
if Jill actually had any character as the first lady of the United States in one of these media interviews with these bleeding heart, amazing interviewers with 60 minutes or the view, she might actually have a moment to say, I'm really worried about my husband. This is killing him. I've heard people say, well, Biden, you know, he's, he's so stubborn that he's, you know, basically to tell Jill, Jill, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to do this. Well, number one, it certainly looks like Jill is leading Joe around quite a bit. And number two, again, you can still communicate to others as family. This is killing him. This is shortening Biden's life. You think that Biden wouldn't have lived longer retiring and spending time with his kids and all of his grandkids, you know, not just the ones that he claimed for several years. That would be a better amount of time spent than than embarrassing yourself in front of the country. You say, well, Tony, what do you mean by embarrassing yourself in front of the country? President Biden genuinely is falling apart. Let Let me explain here what I mean. Let me flip over to the first scene. So President Biden was talking about the death of Putin's, excuse me, the murder of Putin's political opponent. And about halfway through, he pulls a Mitch McConnell and just completely loses everything. Here's what that looks like. Do whatever the hell they want. I guess I should clear my mind here a little bit and not say what I'm really thinking. So he, he, he kind of moves away and says, well, let me just uh, like it sounds like he's about to say something like really mean and, and frisky and like really get in there and call Putin what he really thinks of him. But as everyone can tell, he's lost his train of thought. And due to the the fading, the wearing away of the neural connections but between the neurons in the president's mind, because, again, his mind is deteriorating rapidly, he has simply put himself in a position where he's unable to pick up and move on. We saw this in basically every single time the president has appeared on camera since that crazy press conference regarding his memory. And, and look, we can talk at, at length ad nauseum about the, the chaos regarding, you know, what the president is going to do in an electoral sense, just as a, a, a human sense. Good heavens. I hear people talking about this all the time, that that what they think is that they really want Biden to stay in through the election because then Kamala Harris would be uh, the president and she's way worse. Um, Guys, I don't think that Kamala Harris is competent enough to actually do half of the stuff that you think that she's going to do. And believe me, Kamala Harris pulled less than 3% in her own state of California in the Democrat primaries. She ain't winning 2024. That is not happening. Otherwise, you would already hear massive calls from everyone unilaterally that the president needs to resign with dignity because they've done this before. Remember the Supreme Court justices that before Obama's term, they were encouraging liberal Supreme Court justices to retire so that Obama could quickly replace them. And they got mad at Republicans for not pushing the next person forward. Do Do we have a memory longer than four and a half, five and a half years in this country? Because I believe, quite honestly, that at this point, it is within the best interest of everyone in this entire nation that he's out of there. There's video of Jill Biden. The, the president was walking past this, this Valentine's display on stage. And he, he walks past, he's walking past with Jill, and he turns and points to this, this Valentine's display with like a heart and like, like a, some kind of text that says something about Valentine's Day. And he asks Jill very sweetly, if he if she wanted to take a picture, uh, 
kind of a, a sweet moment. I, I'll never bash anybody, period, for ever saying genuinely nice things to their spouse. Sweet moment. And Jill pats him on the arm and half school marmishly and half in pity says, and you catch all of this on the hot mic, we already took a picture with this. And then slowly like drags Biden away like a, like a toddler le- like longing to go into the toy aisle of your nearest grocery store. That's, that's heartbreaking. Forget all, all of the political punditry. And, and I, I mean forget all the political punditry. Mitch McConnell should be, should be retired. Step down. Joe Biden should be stepped down. These 80, 90-year-old, well, they can get around. They can ride a bike, as Adam Wren pointed out in his weird interview with a Bloomington former Democrat representative of some sort. Uh, guys, there's a better way to respect elderly people than suggesting that it's ageist or ableist if you say they can't do the same things as people in their 40s 50s and 60s it's okay never at all when in for example for me in in the bible when paul is instructing people in the church on how to take care of widows and the elderly does he say treat them just like full-grown adults who can do whatever they want he says no pay special attention to them because they have greater needs I'm sorry, hobbling Biden along because the, the, he can, I guess, maybe flip back to the kindly, well-meaning grandfather pseudo-centrist is what ran in the 2020 election. That is desperately selfish. It really is. And none of that has to do with Trump at all. None of it. Because it, it, it genuinely shouldn't. And so when we consider these kinds of, of situations, we have to talk about East Palestine, because President Biden has now finally, a year and a half later, has finally made it out to East Palestine, Ohio, after that train derailment. And he gets out there and he says some kind of weird, crazy stuff about how he's with them. He sounds so old, so, so old. I have a video up on the Daily Signal comparing President Biden's speech patterns in 2016 to now. And he wasn't getting huge, wild amounts of applause. People were booing the motorcade as he came into town. This is a horrible look for his campaign. The president has taken vacation after vacation to beaches and to resorts in California, to his home in Delaware. He wasn't able to make it. He spent like 40% of his presidency on vacation. He couldn't take the time over the last year and a half to drop by the citizens of East Palestine with their ground and their community poisoned by that horrible train derailment. And his campaign thinks this looks good? He has to win portions of the Rust Belt, the Labor Democrats, the last vestiges who flipped over to him, and it is not working. And it's brutal to watch in the process. And so if the Democrats really, and this is why Democrats are bewildered that all of the attacks, Donald Trump has to pay over $350 million in court settlements to New York. Someone's going to have to pay that bill. He's saying some some really good things on the campaign trail, some really bad and weird things on the other side of the campaign trail. Everyone's very confused. And the Democrats are really upset because nothing they can throw at Republicans or the president of the United States seems to stick. That's how bad this is. And the longer the Democrats refuse to wake up and smell the coffee, the worse it is going to be. They've already missed the filing deadline to pick somebody else in the race. 
This is why you see Bernie Sanders losing his mind over the Michigan primary coming up. Things do not look good, and I I do hate to say this. I don't take glee in saying this. For the president, it is not going to get any better. It is only going to get worse. And in my mind, his cabinet and Jill Biden completely have themselves to blame because it is beyond despicable behavior. Up next, we're going to be talking with Adam Gallette from Accuracy in Media. Texas is heating up again and not particularly in the best way. You are listening to the Tony Kennecast here on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's the Tony Kennett cast on 93 WIBC. Feels like I'm losing it. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Tony Kennett cast here on 93 WIBC. There's a lot going on in the world of education at all times. There's a lot of screaming. There's a lot of crying. Uh, Usually there are some undercover and behind the door shenanigans because as a former teacher, I can tell you that when the door shuts, things change. And one group that's been dedicated to making sure that parents have complete and full access to absolutely everything that's going on in a school, whether uh, legal or not, is Accuracy in Media. You may know them from their brilliant exposés in Indiana and Texas, which showcased administrators that admitting to using things like critical race theory and diversity, equity and inclusion inside of the classroom once the door shut, although they were telling parents something completely different. Well, things changed in Texas a little bit after the uh, Texas state government passed a law banning diversity, equity, and inclusion programs from universities. But as Adam Gillette, the president of uh, Accuracy in Media, is here this evening to tell us, things may not be so simple. Adam, good evening. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. So you got, I was shocked to see the email, uh, mainly because I'm not really sure how you guys find time to sleep over at AIM. Why don't you tell us what's going on this time in Texas? Sure. Well, as you know, we've been in literally hundreds of K-12 school districts across the country, primarily in states where they banned the teaching of the principles associated with critical race theory. And now that a number of states have prohibited DEI and critical race theory in higher education, we decided to take our cameras to those universities to find out if they were actually adhering to the law. Well, good thing we're sitting down. Not surprisingly, a half dozen universities in Texas funded by our tax dollars had administrators that bragged to us about how they ignore the law. Wow. I am. I I have for one am shocked. I am bamboozled, smeckledorfed. I can't believe it. I mean, you're telling me that the schools that staffed their entire universities with far left leaning individuals who passionately believe in DEI are ignoring the law to teach DEI. Say it ain't so. You know what? There was one shock because unlike what we see in K through 12, in K through 12, anytime we get past a gatekeeper, pretty much every time they tell us that they're ignoring the law. Texas was different in higher education because a number of universities really, really did suggest to us that they are adhering to the law and they're pretty bitter about it. You know, one employee bemoaned that he essentially got a demotion because of the new law. But of course, those were the minority. The majority of the districts we met with said, oh, we're just changing the title to doing the same stuff. We don't let the politicians tell us what to do, which means, of course, they don't let the law tell them what to do. They make their own law in higher education. 
And again, it's not just universities that uh, are are paying their own way, like expressly private institutions. These are a lot of institutions that are receiving money from the state of Texas that are kind of flirting around breaking Texas law. I'll tell you, though, uh, what are some of the ways that they're changing the title? It's been a few years since I was in the game of changing the titles as an administrator in a public school. How are these Texas universities changing? Like, what's the next new name for the DEI office? You know, just like in K through 12, it kind of varies in K through 12. They would say instead of critical race theory, we now just call it equity or then we call it social and emotional learning. One district in rural Tennessee told us that they just call it mental health. Who's against mental health? Well, in higher ed, it was the same thing. One uh, university said, well, we just call it the Department of Belonging now. And other universities came up with their own benign terms. Wait, 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 that's right. Belonging. wait. I'm sorry. That's that's so stupid. Uh, we're on with uh, we're on with Adam Gallet from Accuracy and Media. I'm I wasn't expecting it. I'm uh, the Department of Belonging. First of all, the Department of Belonging. Very, very Orwellian. Um, I was just going to say. I imagine if a conservative went in there, feeling like they don't necessarily feel like they belong on campus, they'd be laughed right out of the room. But that's how it is. So whenever they try to tell us that, oh, who's against diversity, equity, and inclusion, we can very strongly say you don't mean any of those words, diversity, equity, or inclusion. And we know that because you abandon them so quickly and pick up new terms. And then you abandon those terms and pick up other terms. It is clear that when you look at the dictionary or the thesaurus, you view it as a list of options rather than a list of potential descriptions for the work that you're doing. And I, I will point out that at places like Arizona State University, back when they had these multicultural spaces that were endorsed by the DEI office, that as soon as, as two white students showed up, um, all hell broke loose. It was the worst thing that had ever happened since the bubonic plague. And all of a sudden, these offices of again, belonging, ah, goodness, aren't, aren't, uh, aren't exactly interested in making students feel like they belong. Well, that can't be the end. I'm sure you found more shenanigans give us more details man i'm 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 curious what else did you find well you know in one university they told us about how they had a transition closet uh, I, I don't know if that's part of a ritual or a ceremony or something related to the woke religion, but they had a transition closet, which was part of their DEI department. And they were essentially to adhere to uh, obey the law. They had to get rid of it, but they just rebranded the transition closet and called it something like an all gender closet. I, again, this sounds like silly stuff that you'd be doing in kindergarten, but this is literally what is happening at public universities in Texas. This isn't Boulder. This isn't Berkeley. This is Texas Tech A&M, University of like North Dallas and colleges like that. Wow. These aren't what we would think of as radically left universities, yet this is what they're doing. So with that in mind, what do you think they're doing at Berkeley and at Boulder? My gosh. I know this is one of the things that I there's a situation in Indiana right now where there's a law in the books that um, would basically require the Indiana state legislature to or not require it would give them the authority to appoint uh, members of the board of education, uh, which every state legislature should have the authority to appoint board of trustee members in publicly funded universities and people are losing their minds. And one of the comments I've seen is, well, don't. Don't you trust us? Don't you trust us to have a great college and a great university? And then I see stories like yours 
and investigations like yours. You don't just I look, I, I'm a kind of guy who I go and I do an investigation on one school. You guys are marathon team runners, man. You guys go to every single university in a region and you knock on all of the doors. I your undercover investigations, just to be fully transparent with the audience here, leave me astounded. I don't know how you get into these situations, but some of the things that you have on camera, it's one thing to say. Um, again, we're on here with Adam Gallette uh, from uh, Accuracy in Media. It's one thing to say, well, I was in this meeting and they told me this, but you guys have the footage of people that are bragging about avoiding the law so directly. So tell me what needs to happen now the, the the investigations open, everything's out in the air. It's going to stir up the Texas legislators. I'm sure like a nest of hornets. What comes next? Honestly, for me, I think we need major reshaping of how we view public education and higher education in America, you know, for K through 12 education, first of all, Ban DEI there. If you don't think DEI should exist in higher education, why the heck is it in kindergarten? And that's what I want to see a lot of these elected officials do in red states. Ban DEI in K through 12 if you've got it banned in higher education. Now, guaranteed we'll go in after the fact and find out that half of them are ignoring the law. Fine. Then add teeth to the laws. Most importantly, add universal school choice. Texas, this big red Republican state, has less school choice than California and New York. Texas, again, I'm going to repeat that, has less school choice than California and New York. They deserve universal school choice. Ohio has it. Uh, North Carolina is moving towards it. Indiana is moving towards it. Utah, so many states now, Arizona, Florida, enacted universal school choice. Why doesn't it exist in Texas? For higher ed, we need to see major funding cuts and major reshaping of how we view public education in the higher education space in America. Why are we taking tax dollars from people by force to fund degrees that are nothing but radical ideology and will never help anyone get a job and instead will saddle them with massive debt? I mean, the honest answer, of course, is these universities don't exist to educate anyone any more so than K through 12 does. These largely exist to funnel tax dollars into the hands of left wing politicians. And that's really the sad truth that we have to come to grips with, that these institutions, which once stood for providing academic training to be beneficial to United States society and its economy, have now created basically these goofy temples of individuals to find themselves. And of course, by finding themselves, it's really actually uh, finding a bunch of leftist dogma on the taxpayer's dime. Adam Gallette from Accuracy and Media, thank you so much for hopping on with us and sharing a little bit about this recent investigation. Hey, thank you for having me. We'll be back in just a minute. You're listening to the Tony Kinnikast here on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's the Tony Kinnett Cast on 93 WIPC. Good evening. Welcome back to the Tony Kinnacast here on 93 WIBC. Hope that you have made it through this week because to hear a lot of the Indiana Democrats talk and the uh, national journalistic organizations that got involved, you would think that 
every teacher in the state of Indiana right now is is facing a firing squad, a, a Boston massacre just of untold proportions. Oh, my goodness. So not very long ago on this show, Attorney General Todd Rakita came on and he announced a portal, this Eyes on Education portal. And the idea of the portal was to provide a measure of accountability, given that there are several objectively hidden instances in which a school was doing something regarding discriminatory practices racially or was incorporating things like gender transition plans and then was not being transparent with parents in the community, whether that is by obfuscation, whether that's by omission or whether that's just by straight up lying about it. And there were a lot of different cases in which that was proven regardless of political affiliation. And Rakita's idea was to give parents, community members, a tool to hold the system accountable themselves. And I was told based on this, now I, I asked some questions that I do not necessarily know if uh, they were answered in a way that, that make me want to come out and rah-rah be super supportive. Uh, I need to see it in action because again, a policy is only as good as its implementation. A policy, a program, an idea in politics is 50% the written stuff. And then it's 50% how it's applied, how it's carried out. Right now, we're in the carried out phase. But I will tell you something that is definitely not going to happen. What is definitely not going to happen is everything that the Washington Post and the Indianapolis Star and the Guardian and, and whoever else uh, has been claiming, I guess they're, they're like teachers, they're writing letters. Like, we're, we're terrified for our lives. Hamilton Southeastern teacher saying that she worries for her safety. <clears throat> okay, so uh, I, I have to tell you a little bit of a secret. Number one, um, I do kind of wonder what's in your classroom. You, you know the kind of stuff that really gets parents, especially parents on the right, frustrated. If you have a bunch of like gay and trans flags and Black Lives Matter signs and things hanging in your classroom... Uh, then I, I, again, you would be frustrated if I walked into my classroom and I threw up like the, I don't know what, a, a picture of someone wielding the second amendment and like the Christian flag and what are other like conservative things? Um, a healthy family, like up on the wall, like a, a father and a mother with kids smiling. That's like conservative propaganda or whatever. So, I mean, you, you might get mad if I did that. So, uh, I, I'm not really sure if all of this chaos is 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 warranted um again i i'm not yay or nay on the portal i'm waiting to see how it rolls out but i can tell you that the fear-mongering um is going to be hilarious when none of that happens again as a survivor of net neutrality that was also supposed to kill us all when it ended um I, i'm just not buying it there are however a lot more instances of uh institutions hiding a lot of junk i have a new article out at the daily signal um in which uh a texas school made the interesting decision uh to host a lot of books that were rated adult not young adult but adult by their publisher and by the way for the record uh and i know that there are a lot of librarians in the state who will agree with me on this one a lot of young adult books are filled with smut there, there was something about an author writing the young adult that they just decide to throw standards out the window and like craft these really weird romance scenes that we all know romance doesn't work that way. I mean, not even like fantasy romance works that way. It's, it's basically just like very softcore porn. Um, and it shouldn't be in schools. What was in the Lano High School 
and the principal decided that when parents complained, uh, he would institute a policy in which every book individually would be reviewed 30 days each. So if there were there were over 100 books that had, according to Texas law and the Texas Education Agency, they were vulgar and they contained really graphic, disturbing depictions of sex that I really can't even describe here on the air. And not to mention things like drug use and, and rape and gore and other things that if you want those in your public library, that's one argument. But in the school library, mm, I don't know about that. And so there were over 100 books over 150 books, I think, actually, that parents had concerns about. And the principal of this school in Llano, Texas, decided to review them all one at a time and take 30 days each, which if you do the math and average that out with nine working months a year as administrative salaries often are, that means that it would have taken 22 years, or or still would, they're still doing this policy, 22 years to review Uh, all of the books that parents have concerns with. And by the way, these reviews, it's really not hard to scroll to the section of the book that the parents cited on this exact page number and see the spot where the narrator is talking about fantasizing about sticking certain things in other places with the most vulgar language possible and describing their desire to commit really obscene crimes of the sexual nature. So uh, the best part, and by the best part, I mean the absolute worst part, is that this principal decided to appoint students to the committee reviewing the books. So then students and minors would be directly exposed to it. This is why it is important for parents to keep educational institutions accountable. Because I know that this last week, there were a lot of Indiana Democrats and Indiana academics and teachers and professors that were up in arms that any state institution would want some kind of accountability over Indiana University and its board of trustees, for example, or over whether a school has disturbing content in the classrooms. It's because the trust has eroded away. You can't say just trust us when every other day we find something else. And by the way, the vast, vast, vast majority of teachers that I know are really good teachers and they are sick of this crap. But it is the few bad apples that ruins it for everyone else. And that's really the theme of this entire culture war is that a few bad actors have been allowed to get out in front of everyone and pretend that they're actually normal and should be accepted and wonderful. Uh, No, actually, you should be castigated and shunned from all of us while the normal individuals Uh, continue to try to raise the next generation. Thanks for tuning in this week. We'll see you real soon. You've been listening to the Tony Kinnacast here on 93 WIBC.